Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday as we talk the world of sports. Know that first voice you hear today, not Ken Miller. He is in Tucson at the Gambling and Racing Symposium down there before making his way to Circa and Las Vegas. So it's me, Trent Condon, and a new guest host with me today. Yesterday it was Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. Today we just go over the hall. He is Emery Songer. Emery! Good what to see is you. up, Trent Condon? A, an absolute honor, as always. Well, to I'd be say you looked uh, good and tan, but with your skin complexion, not exactly. But how yeah. was vacation? Oh, it was so fantastic. First time to Mexico for oh. me and the wife. Uh, we'd been to Jamaica last year, which was a great time. Learned a little bit about the Caribbean climate. Had to go back when it started to get cold here. Mm-hmm. And really enjoyed it. And Dodge Sunburn, I'm a big 50 SPF type guy. I can I'd tell, yeah. Rather be a little pale than uh, end up with third degree burns on my body. Makes so. a lot of sense, yeah. I got that Southern Germanic uh, kind of uh, skin tone, so I'm okay. I got a little more olive tint to me. You with that red hair, it's a little more difficult. Dude, my wife, it, yes. I mean, she is so dark. It takes no time at all, and I just wish I knew what that felt like. <laughs> to, to not, to It'll know, never happen. To know I'm going outside and I'm not going to be absolutely fried like a lobster in 15 minutes. That'd be so nice. Well, now it's time to get in the hot seat over there, and we're going to talk some sports today. You ready for this? I get to talk sports today. Yes. I am very ready for this. I, I can tell. Well, we got a busy guest list as well, kicking things off here. At the bottom of the hour, plenty of NFL conversation with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Excited to get Vinny in here. Just so much going on from Kansas City, falling once again to Cincinnati. The big story there. Justin Fields, he plays against uh, Green Bay. Ultimately, the Packers get the win. And as this Bears fan, I didn't have a problem with it. As they're playing, of course, for draft positioning. Oh, yeah, of course. That looks great. And those 10-2 and two Minnesota Vikings. We'll talk about them coming up. And a whole lot more of Vinny Iyer at 11.30. 12.05, we'll kick off the second hour with Chris Cuellar from the Iowa High School Association, and we will break down some news that came down this morning about a change in the way that schools are put together enrollment-wise. Now, in the past, it was strictly your enrollment based on 9 through 11. It currently uh, still is. And currently right? still is yeah. through this season. If the recommendation that was put forth and will be voted on by the member schools goes into effect, it will happen next football season, 2023. Uh, we will get this new, which is... They don't want to call it a multiplier. That is not the terminology that they want to use for it. But basically, it will use socioeconomic factor and free and reduced lunch for each school. And that is how it will be determined. So I took a look at Des Moines North. Their enrollment, about 1,400. Uh, 88% of their students have free or reduced lunch. So use that. There's a formula that they put in. It basically drop their enrollment from a little over 1,400 to just over 900 is the way that it would play out there. So there's that, a It changes everything. It, it does. And we've seen with the addition of a new class, with the 5A class that has gone into effect the last couple of seasons, that has spread things out a little bit more. But this is just another way to try to level the playing field in a sport in football. And this is for football only, at least initially. At least for now. Right. This is something that the gap between the haves and the have-nots, the schools with a ton of money, with extra resources, what they can do, and a way to try to level the playing field. On the surface, it makes a ton of sense. It's something oh, yeah. I've talked about in the past. I know Keith Murphy's talked about it and many others. It's something that other states do, including Minnesota. And as soon as you bring that point up, and mm-hmm. I talked to you about this off the air, as yeah. soon as you start citing other states, 
citing states close to us, mm-hmm. which you would like to think that you're at least on an equal level playing field. Right. I think uh, when we got to the shot clock conversation about high school basketball, which I know a lot of us in the media who were, sorry to say this, absolutely 100% forced to watch some of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like pulling absolute teeth out of the back of our throats. And as soon as you started saying, well, why, why does South Dakota have a shot yeah. clock? All of a sudden, everybody that you know is in the state of Iowa fighting it, well, we can't not be as you know <laughs> progressive well as South Dakota. South Dakota, right? <laughs> right. So I it total it makes total sense. I'm excited to talk to Chris about it because this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm from Atumwa. Yeah, Atumwa is my hometown. I could only imagine. You know, Atumwa was a pretty big powerhouse when I was growing up. But sure. This the 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 change of the guard kind of to the suburban and, and kind of the more urban areas. We just have not been as quick to adjust. We eventually got into like an RPI playoff system. We started getting into the groupings uh, and the schedule of groups to kind of try to make games more competitive at the biggest level of schools. And then we even got to 5A. Hey, let's just throw another class together to try to even further separate the top of the top and everybody else to try to make it as competitive as possible. This might have been the best answer all along, and I'm excited to know that we're moving in that direction. Absolutely, and a lot with Cuellar coming up here at the top of the next hour. We'll continue to break that down. And then Matt Norlander from CBS, our old friend, he's going to stop by. He'll be on his way to Madison Square Garden as he will be in the building tonight for Duke, Iowa, and we'll break that down with Norlander here at about 1230. So busy show today and kick things off. Let's uh, start with Monday Night Football. The old man gets it done once again. Down 16-3. It looked like another one of the New Orleans Saints just having their number. Dennis Allen pushing all the right buttons. The frustration. The inability to run the football. And then they go hurry up. They go no huddle. Down two scores late in the game. Two touchdowns. One that was incredibly frustrating. The one that was taken off the board to Chris Godwin because... I had a prop of that course was available did. on DraftKings. You and, probably could have guessed that, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, and so that one uh, left me a little bit frustrated. But what a comeback here and something that he has never done in the regular season, coming back from that kind of deficit. But the old man still got it. Yeah, so I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by saying I do think Tom Brady is the greatest football player who's ever played the game. Not just quarterback. I think he has usurped the, the records of Jerry Rice. I, I think you can make... The argument that in any way, shape, or form, he is the best player in NFL history. Yes. Certainly, you know, on a success ratio, all that jazz. Certainly, this is a shouldn't be much of a discussion as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about this team this year, and I'm gonna I, I'm on the record. Todd Bowles, not a good coach. No. I mean, he's he wasn't a good coach. He was a great defensive coordinator mm-hmm. when he got the the Jets job. There was a lot of high hopes because you hope defensive coordinators in the NFL turn into great head coaches. I want to know, give me a list of like really well-accomplished defensive coordinators who are longtime D coordinators, known as D coordinators, who then achieve success as a head coach. Bill Belichick? I mean, besides him. <laughs> uh, but give me, a, give me a list. Give me a list of modern guys. Okay, like, you okay, know, Belichick right. was, hasn't been a, a D coordinator really in earnest. 30 years. Since, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. a child, right. right? So, you know, we're talking Bowles. You know, Robert Sala's trying to change mm-hmm. it a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I look at Dan Quinn, who made some of the most head-scratching decisions. And this is not just exclusive to D coordinators. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, known as an <laughs> offensive mastermind, his game management is obviously terrible. But... It seems more and more, you know, the McVeighs, the Shanahan's, those are the guys that 
are the offensive minded guys are the ones that make a big. I mean, you watch Brandon Staley coach the Chargers. I don't know how you don't pull your hair hair oh, out of your head every single time you watch him play. Nuts. All right, that's a defensive guy. Yeah. Right. That's just kind of like he doesn't think about like where what the game is. He's just like, okay, what does the analytics say I should do? He doesn't think, well, is my team outmatched at the line of scrimmage? How many guys do I have out this week? Mm-hmm. He's still going for it in his own territory, out by three, protecting a lead with three minutes to go. The man's a madman. Yes. Okay. And oh. I wanted it to work for him. Okay. And it's I, not working. And I do too. I, I do too. I think he's a likable personality. Mm-hmm. But you don't see Sean McVay doing that. He'll go for it on fourth and one in certain situations and certain spots in the field based on personnel, but he's not reckless. You can't be married to the analytics. No. So Todd Bowles is in that conversation for me. And I know that Bruce Arians wanted to take care of his guy. Right. Mm-hmm. The only reason Todd Bowles got a head coaching job in New York is because of what Bruce Arians did with him in Arizona. This offense is terrible. It is. The Tampa Bay offense is terrible. Byron Leftwich and just the elation after they scored there, the smile on his face, it, it had to be just such a sense of relief. you got to stop running the football. You can't run the football. Tristan Wirfs is out. He's your only offensive lineman that is above competent at this point in time. Mm, mm-hmm. Is he going to be back by the end of the year? That is certainly the hope for him. But right. that offensive line is bad, and yet they continue to try to run the football. Look, this is going to be a season if they're going to not just win the division. Now, it's not a foregone conclusion at this point in 6 and 6, but you feel pretty you good. You feel about good. It. You definitely and especially I look at, you know, you look ahead to everybody else's schedule. Mm-hmm. The Falcons are the only team that kind of feel, feel like they could maybe catch you, but you win 3 games and I think you're fine. You're right. I'm going to rattle off their their offensive like their their point output here. Okay. And obviously this, you know, you can't account for defensive scores or whatever doing it this way, but 19, 20, 12. They did score 31 points in a loss to the Chiefs. 21, 18, 3, 22, 16, 21, 17, 17. This is a bad offensive football team, and you have the best quarterback of all time who was an MVP candidate last season and should have been because he was as productive last year as he's ever been. And I can't blame it. You talk about the offensive line. You can't blame it all on like Todd Bowles and his incompetence as a head coach. They have the same offensive coordinator, pretty much the same offensive staff below him. But there's something missing with this team. That makes me feel like, is Tom, like, and Tom shows passion still for the game. Oh, right? absolutely. I, I, but if you put Tom Brady on the Miami Dolphins, and I'm not, I think two has been great, mm-hmm. but if you give him the weapons and the line and the scheme with a Mike McDaniel type, who is proving to be, he could be a dangerous head coach mm-hmm. for a while as well. Goofy looking son of a gun. It, but, you know, he comes from the McVeigh, Shanahan like school. He's such a dork know? over there. And he is a dork. Yes. But the way he talks to his players uh-huh. and everything, it's so new age. It is. And it clicks somehow. Yeah. And it's clicking with Tua. Mm-hmm. Something that a guy like Brian Flores, failed defensive coordinator as head coach, I, I just, I, I, if you got like those guys around Tom Brady, 45 years old, I don't care how old he is, he can still chuck it around the yard. He's still got some dudes. He just needs a line. So I'm thinking to myself... As I'm watching this team play, if they get worse back and all that jazz, mm-hmm. they could make noise in the NFC playoffs. Oh, absolutely. The NFC doesn't scare like no. I mean, the 49ers with God bless him, Brock Purdy at quarterback mm-hmm. isn't going to scare you out of the West. You have you know Kirk Cousins who has won a playoff game in Minnesota, but again, you know you have a lot of questions as to what they truly can accomplish in a big game situation. Even Not a lot of depth of that resume. There's a couple of bullet points. And you can but, say the same thing about the entire Philadelphia Eagles as right. well. You know, Jalen Hurts hasn't been in that the, this position. Nick Sirianni hasn't been in this position. Heck, even A.J. Brown, you know, made it to an AFC Championship game with the Titans. But, you know, how, how much can you trust him and the rest of the receiving core if Jalen Hurts is having a bad game? We saw him completely melt down during, you know, 
a national championship game and was saved by Tua Tungo Vailoa while he was at Alabama, right? Uh, I'm looking at the rest of the NFC. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like I'm going to play Washington maybe in the first round. Right now, would be the Cowboys. It'd be Tampa making the home game against Dallas. And for Cowboy fans to feel like maybe we do finally have something. Maybe we're, we're more than just good enough to make the playoffs. There is more here. And you got to go see Tom Brady in the first round. On the road? Not fun. No, not at all. And they lost week one. I know it's week one, but 19-3? Mm-hmm. to Yeah. They put up three points on them? And I'm not a huge believer in what they got going on in Dallas. Now, I think they're a decent team. They're decent, yeah. I had a lot defense higher. Defense is fun. Yeah, the defense. I mean, Micah Parsons, I think you add him to any defense, it immediately becomes a top-five defense, probably. He's that kind of player. He can get to the quarterback almost at will. And, and he, he can cover. And you can, line, you can line him up wherever you right. want. and He's going to make a difference. I, man, what a brilliant pick that was the guy who sat out the covid year and you're like yeah i still like him enough to pick him first round uh it's got to be one of the best picks in jerry jones entire history with the dallas cowboys and he's had some dynasties there uh but you're right i i dallas would be the only team of the potential wild card Mm -hmm. matchups where i'd be like they have a quarterback that kind of is interesting sure unless aaron Rodgers somehow you know like rallies the troops and wins the rest of his games and Somehow makes it into the no, playoffs. That's not good. I, I don't think that's good. no, no. Okay, don't be holding your breath over there. Right, and then the Saints. I mean, Dennis Allen. Oof. You, you want to add another guy on the list of my D coordinators who are not good head coaches? I, how does that happen? How does that? And then the management of a veteran running back to go out of bounds short of a first down, mm-hmm. which could have iced the game almost. Yeah. And then you draw up a quick pass play for Andy Dalton on third and one, saving. Tampa from having to use a timeout, and guess what? They scored with three seconds left <laughs> yeah. to win the game. I Tom, Tom's great still, I think, and a lot of the records and everything that are going in the book have everything to do with longevity, so I'm not putting a ton of stuff into the whole, like, yeah, it was the last thing, he, the most comebacks ever in the fourth quarter, or whatever they talk about with him anymore. The Saints choked that game away, and to have Mark Ingram and Andy Dalton and Dennis Allen, who are veterans of the NFL, making those mistakes that they have been making... That is a horrible football team. How have they won four games? Well, because it's the NFL. And short of the Texans, everybody wins football games. I mean, Speaking of failed defensive coordinators as head coach, Lovey Smith. I mean, you're a Bears guy. I mean, he, yeah. he had some good good years when he had a solid team and yeah, a great right. defense. And he was fine. We were playoff contenders every single year. Got to a Super Bowl. There's no way he can stay there after this year, right? No, he was a placeholder. He was put there to be fired. And until they... And this is exactly what Brian Flores and Steve Wilkes and all these other guys have been saying. Like, you're putting guys like us, mm-hmm. and specifically African Americans or coaches of minor of minority background, they're saying you're literally putting us in these types of spots where you're going in thinking this is a one year deal, mm-hmm. and we're going to see who else is going to be available at the end of the year. So we think if you could lose all your games, that'd be great because we get number one pick, and then we can fire you for for cause. We got a real possibility of seeing potentially three guys get one year in the NFL. Lovey with the Texans. Okay. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett. I think that's definitely in play. A real possibility that he could be fired a year in. And who was the other one I was thinking of? Regardless, I mean, think of the rarity that this is. And now how quickly things can change in the NFL where you get three, four, five years right. to get your program in place and get things turned around. Right. And now, one bad year, you'd be right back out the door. Especially considering how you've looked at like... Oh, Dennis Allen. Dennis, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, you're thinking about like the Bengals. Mm-hmm. They hired Zach Taylor. Yeah. 
who uh, is I'll be honest with you. I like halfway through the year last year, he was out the door. I, I'm thinking to myself, who is Zach Taylor to be an NFL head coach besides the fact that he knows Sean McVay? Right. Like it was the only like connection mm-hmm. to like this guy's a head coach in the NFL. They win two games, but he gets to stay. And they got him some players. Mm-hmm. And the most important player. A a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the next year, the next year, they're playing in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it was two years two later, years, but yeah, you know what I mean. Coming off the injury. Right. He, the, the, yeah. You, you throw out Burrow's rookie year because yeah. of the injury, obviously. But but they stuck with him. But they were like, Zach Taylor, I think there's something here. Let's get you some players. And that can change things. Now, the game management stuff that you see from the Broncos is just, and Dennis Allen and, and the Saints, it's just like, what are they doing? Like, how is this an NFL team? Yeah. And then you can throw Jeff Saturday in there, too. I don't know if you can count him, but it's just like you, you watched the way that they melted down on Sunday night football, and you're just like, how is this an NFL team? Yeah. Well, Drew checks in, too, and he says before the winning streak, the Raiders very well with Josh McDaniels. He could have been one and done as well. He's coming along a little direction. bit. And yeah. he did make the playoffs as a head coach at the, the Broncos. I always thought that he got a little bit of a I completely a, agree. An unfair deal. Ken obviously hates him. And I'm like, was he that bad? He wasn't that I don't bad. think he was. He, no. he was given a tough situation, mm-hmm. right? And then obviously they got rid of him like mid, midstream or whatever, and then John Fox goes back into the 1940s and somehow gets that team into the playoffs after that. And then the thing that rubbed me the wrong way about McDaniels was he, tried to, he, he told the Colts he wanted to be their head coach and then pulled the rug out from underneath them mm-hmm. like a day later, and he wanted to stay with Belichick's staff. And I can understand that too. Like why wouldn't you want to stay as an offensive coordinator and that's all you worry about? Mm-hmm. But he's still a pretty young guy, and I still felt like he had something to show. And I know that the Raiders made the playoffs last year, but there was a big part of me that felt like that team is the schedule and that division and some of the teams that they're going to have to play, and then you've got a quarterback to try to mesh with a bunch of different new guys. That defense had some legitimate question marks going into the season Completely new coaching staff. I don't know how you just were like, oh yeah, the Raiders have to win 10 games this year. <laughs> but that's what it was. And that's insane That was the me. expectation. And, and it's the same thing with Hackett. The yeah. thing, when I watch the Raiders though, I feel like the Raiders look like an NFL team most of the time. Not Denver. Denver Not that offense. Denver looks completely inept on offense. And you hired an offensive guy to run that team. Speaking of inept offense, from the NFL, and we'll talk more NFL at the bottom of the hour with Vinny Iyer, let's get into Iowa. Iowa, Iowa State in... The transfer portal here in our final minutes here of our opening segment. Emery, last night it felt like imminent that Holden, the wide receiver from Alabama, was going to become an Iowa Hawkeye. In fact, David Eicholt, our friend from 24-7, they do their crystal ball, basically their projections when they believe a guy is going to commit to the school. And shortly after, something changed. Was it information from Alabama? We know Nick Saban and Kirk Ferentz coached together. They know each other well. Was it something like that? A lot of rumblings about the reason, but it looked like Iowa was going to go out, get a six foot three wide receiver that had offers from everybody, had six touchdowns this year for Alabama, and then they found out something else. Also yesterday, Justin Jacobs, he enters the transfer portal, a starter, a guy that has NFL potential, a guy that, in fact, coming into last year, not even being a full-time starter, was on NFL draft boards, and a lot of people talked about his ability. Of course, got injured this year. He departs. The transfer portal, it is wild, it is a little scary, it's crazy for all the positivity of the end of last week and getting Cade McNamara to where things suddenly feel today. 
it's wild, this thing. And it's not going to be changing. It's not going to be evolving at this point in time. It is the wild, wild west out there right now. It's just going to get worse. If, if it's not a perfect situation, and, and this is if I'm an athlete, which an athlete, I guess, when I was coming through high school, it was very different the way that you viewed mm-hmm. college sports. And you went there because it, you didn't think necessarily, if you were an athlete, like all about education. Right. But it was like, I'm basically marrying myself to this, this institution. The idea is that the next four years of my life, like, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to, like, I love this coach, and I love this system, and I love this place, and I love being here in this location. And that was a big decision. But now, because of the way it works, because NIL is there, if it isn't perfect for you right away, mm-hmm. I totally understand well, there's a theory why you out should there, go right? and do something else. There's a theory that basically everybody should enter the portal just to see what's out there. And you, and, you and can still come back to You can school. come back. Yeah. We've seen that. Absolutely. We saw it in basketball. Josh Gundelay from yep. Iowa went in there, didn't find what he wanted, didn't find somebody said, oh, yeah, you can come in and be a starter or anything like that. All right, I'm going to go back. back. Yeah. And that's a real possibility. Or you go in there and say, all right, there's not the teams that I was maybe anticipating. Or remember, at a place like Iowa, everybody, everybody on the football team does currently get something from the collective. I don't know the amount. Sure. Say it's an extra grand a month, though. Yeah. When you're in college, an extra grand? Especially if you're just a dude that's yeah, an extra grand a month team. would have gone a long, long way. Whatever it is, maybe it's two. I don't know. Whatever it is, and then you go and say, "Oh, you know what? Actually, South Carolina, I, I, I like there. I'm from the South. I could go closer to home, but you know their collective isn't quite as good, and I don't know if those opportunities are there, or you don't have anybody interested." And your best chances are there was a, a number that came out I think two years ago when transfers were becoming bigger and bigger, and it was something like. of D1 players, players playing at the FBS level, did not find a home in the FBS. 40%. So those are guys that are going to have to drop down to FCS. How many of those guys ultimately didn't continue their collegiate careers? How many guys that were on track to maybe graduate? And then, you know what, I'm just going to move on. How many of those guys are now going to be falling through the cracks? That is one of those great unknowns that we don't know about. And, And that's a real circumstance. So there's so many both sides of this whole conversation that you can have and it, the frustration that goes into it. But strap in, buckle up, because this is going to be and, some wild times. And you just don't know what is going to happen. Until you're in that locker room or you're talking to those players one-on-one, they're all thinking what's best for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Alex Padilla. Sure. Was there any way, if you were living his life the last four months, you felt like Iowa was the place that you wanted to continue your college career? I said that a year ago. If, I, if, I was shocked he didn't enter the transfer portal last January. I, I mean, so like if you think about like the kids, right? And I guess the Tyrese Hunter situations of the world feel a little bit different mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel like there would be any reason, at least that we see with our eyes, as to why this player would want to enter the transfer portal or go elsewhere except for money. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep in mind that that's a very real possibility. Yeah. And you look at Hunter now, all of a sudden he's playing for one of the top five teams in the country. And right and, number one. And, and you've got to think in your, to, to yourself that if this is the way it's going to be, it will take some time to adjust. I'm mm-hmm. sure when free agency became a thing yes. in Major League Baseball and the NFL, it took some time for people to realize, oh, my favorite players are just going to be you know, leaving the team for nothing now. Yep. I know that you, college football and college basketball – don't feel like they should be professional sports, but let's be honest. Mm-hmm. If you've watched Pony XS and that 30 for 30 about the SMU and the, <laughs> the Southwest Conference back in the 80s, it's been pro football for a long time. So 
players, get what you can, especially if you're an NFL caliber player. Go see what you can. Go play for as many different types of guys that you can and feel good about. But you could always end up like Rayal Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Former Iowa State backup quarterback to Brock Purdy. People felt like, hey, just get him on the field somehow. He's really athletic. Well, he enters a transfer portal and goes to Temple. Can't really get on the field very much there. Entered the transfer portal again, and I saw him playing against Drake for San Diego this wow. year. And he was barely on the field for that, too. He was on the field for like eight, eight plays. So for every one of these big Cade McNamara transfers that, or the Alex Padillas or the Tyrese Hunters of the world, you got to keep in mind there are plenty of the Real Mitchells as well. No doubt about it. Good stuff, Emery. We'll take a quick timeout. Coming back, our football conversation continues. We get back into the NFL with Vinny Iyer. Still to come here in the show today, Chris Cuellar from the Iowa High School Athletic Association. We'll talk about the new possibility of some changes in the enrollment, how it is measured with socioeconomic factors being played into it. We'll talk about that. And Matt Norlander will check in on his way to Madison Square Garden. He'll be there for Duke, Iowa tonight. All as we continue, it's Miller and Condon on 106.3 Loss of appetite. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Trek out an Emery Sauter with you today. Take it up until one. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Emery, we're watching a little World Cup action here, coming down and finishing up the extra time. Morocco in oh. Spain in a tight one. And nearly a goal here just a moment ago. You're into the soccer, aren't you? Oh, big time. I, I love soccer just in general. Uh, it's such a fun sport, especially when you're talking about the uh, you know international play. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the World Cup, especially the knockout round, I mean, they're in extra time. Morocco and Spain, it's like Cinderella story taking on you know a world power. Ooh, it's nervous time, man. And I hear you're very invested in this as well. I, so. I am, yes. I'm heavily invested here in the Spanish, Spanish team, so uh, we have a rooting interest in this one as uh, we watch the final moments. But from that football, let's talk about real football, American football, and the NFL. He is Vinny Iyer, and he joins us from the Sporting News. Vinny, as always, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Are you into the World Cup, or is it just all real football all the time for you? It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, I do watch some of the World Cup. I get frustrated because... Again, I realize that there's not a lot of scoring, but then the one team that never seems to disappoint with the star showing up and doing what he's supposed to do is France. So I kind of like <laughs> France. I speak French a little bit. So oh, okay. I mm. do like France. I do like watching Mbappe play. So that's going to be great. I mean, this is a great thing that we haven't had since, I don't know if it's a 100 years war or 30 years war, but seeing England play France is going to be fun. So I like that <laughs> matchup for sure. Um, so I'll be into that a little bit. Uh, I like France's uniforms too. They have good uh, kits, if you will. Yes. Sorry, kits. Kits, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the so kits. You, you got the terminology. Yeah, they stand out, you know, with a little rooster or whatever it is and the gold lettering. It's the good, good stuff. I'm not a fan of the three lions or whatever the logo is for England. So France England is probably the match I'll watch the most here because that. Must I consider see. myself a, a francophone and a kind of wannabe Brit at the same time. So, 
We're getting ready for penalty kicks right now. We'll keep you updated on that one if you're somebody like me that's got a vested interest. I want Morocco to win. I'm sorry oh, about geez. your money, but I mean, like, how, the, how can you not cheer for like the Detroit Lions of Turn the World Cup? Turn off your microphone over there. Knock oh. it off. All right, Vinny, let's get into the NFL. And what a start with the Minnesota Vikings. Such a fun story. Now, nobody believes in this team outside of Vikings fans. They're 10-2. and two. They have the worst differential in points scored versus points against for any team with this kind of record. Why should we believe, though? Why should we believe that they're going to get past this, this continuing to win all the one-score one games, 7-0 and in those kind of spots, that that can continue, and this is a real team? Because everybody says they're not. Why can they be? Well, I just think teams and what we look at now, we're so stat-based, right? Mm-hmm. How many points are they scoring? How many points they're giving up? We're not looking at the each game is an individual event, and sometimes we get lost in that, right? We build this narrative around what this team is. I think it's also a big reaction to what happened against the Cowboys, right? I mean, a lot of that is there. And the Eagles, they got smoked by both of those teams, so they're not as good as the Cowboys or Eagles right now, but they're in the dance. They're going to wrap up a division earlier than anyone else, assuming they beat the Lions here on Sunday on the road. So you got to like their season. I mean, everyone was complaining in Minnesota before about, oh, this team doesn't know how to finish close games. They can't finish games with Mike Zimmer. They don't know what they're doing. Now they're doing it with Kevin O'Connell. Everyone's like, okay, let's find something else wrong with the Vikings. They're not a perfect team. But if they're winning and they're not perfect and they're doing this, defying some things and looking impressive at times doing it, give them some credit. So, again, the playoffs, who knows what happens, right? Every game, again, is an individual event. One thing fluky here or there could happen. They have just as good a chance as anyone in the tournament with what they have on their team. So, again, they deserve a little respect. They're not going to get again this week. They go out uh, as field goal favorites against the Jets, take care of them at home. Now they're one-point underdogs in Detroit. This is just getting out of hand, but maybe they like it that way, right? And just right. the team with the chip on the shoulder – Kirk Cousins has it. They do that uh, celebration with all the jewelry and music on their planes uh, on their way home. They'll probably be enjoying that this week because I I expect they'll wrap up the NFC North title. And I think that might be a motivating factor as long as they keep getting disrespected in the NFC and the playoff race. I've always been a Kirk Cousins truther. I always felt like he was underrated. I know a lot of people want to pick holes in his game mm-hmm. and say that he's not clutch or in prime time he shrinks. And I know that his record does speak for himself, uh, whether he was in Washington or Minnesota when they're in prime time games. But if you look at, you, you want to talk about stats, not just point differential, but stats, he has been incredibly efficient, especially in his time at Minnesota. He's got the receivers around him. The, the line on, on offense does the job for the most part for them. They have a lot of different elements on defense, which are super exciting, plus a little bit of season. As well, you got a lot of veterans that are uh, able to play on the back end there with guys like Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson. I'm looking at them, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, I think they are as complete, if not more complete, than Philadelphia in some ways because I know Kirk Cousins can play a playoff game. He went to New Orleans against Drew Brees and won a game. So, I, am I crazy to think that Minnesota should actually be considered the favorite to get to the Super Bowl from the NFC? I think it's going to be tough. I think the NFC is pretty wide open, and I would include the Buccaneers in that mix because we saw what happened last night, right? <laughs> Give the GOAT an opening. He's going to figure it out, and he's going to win a game even when his team looks down for most of uh, three and a half quarters. So when you're 
considering that, I mean, you can't rule out the Buccaneers. I don't think you can rule out the 49ers. I think their system is that good where Brock Purdy, I mean, the quarterback, I think that's the one team that's a little bit independent of what the quarterback does because they're so dominant defensively, have a great offensive line, great running game, great weapons. So you can't sleep on the 49ers without uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. You can't sleep on the Vikings because they've been pretty accomplished this season. The Eagles and Cowboys are pretty darn good. And then you look at uh, the rest of the situation here, uh, I, I think it's wide open. I mean, even Seattle, a team like that, has the makeup to make a run if they can get in. I'm not sure I'm going to be sold on the Giants or Commanders. I just don't think they're going to get it done. But when I look at the, the other teams in the NFC that are in playoff position, any one of those teams, I think, can go for it and win, win this all. So Vikings, why not the Vikings? Vinny I are joining us from the Sporting News from North. Let's go south down to Kansas City. Do they got a Cincinnati problem or something bigger happening with this team? Yeah, they win a lot of tight games. It did not go their way against the Bengals. Overall, your thoughts on Kansas City and now after having the inside track for the one seed, now back in Buffalo's favor. Yeah, I mean, now what this does is maybe the Bengals are the team that's going to get the number one seed. Because if they win out, they will get that one seed because they would have beaten all the teams they need to beat. The Titans, the Chiefs, the Bills. The Ravens, they would have done all that to get the number one seed. So watch out for Cincinnati doing that. now. But now the Chiefs have to just sit back and watch. That's the problem. That the Bills and Bengals are the teams now going after it. So there's a potential for the Bengals to win every game except for that Bills game or even take that game as well, and then they would be the number one seed. So the Bills on their side, they could win every game and beat the Bengals and be the number one seed. So it's now a helpless feeling. Now if the Chiefs have beaten this team on Sunday, they would have been in cruise control. They get the Broncos twice. They also have the Raiders and Texans. And uh, I think uh, their other game is also favorable against the Seahawks. So this team would have been in cruise control for the number one seed, but they give it up now. And I don't think the AFC playoffs are going to go through Kansas City. They're either going to go through Buffalo or Cincinnati. So that's how monumental that loss was. But then again, Patrick Mahomes can win anywhere. We know that. It doesn't necessarily matter. We don't necessarily know if uh, that means they're not going to get a home game because that did happen last year, right? In the championship game, the Titans lost in the second round. So they did still get that home game. So you can't assume anything about that. But I think if you're the Chiefs, you still want to make other teams have to win an arrowhead again. Uh, I just, for me, watching that game, it felt like it was kind of recalling the game between the Bengals and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game where it felt like, and it reminded me kind of Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs as well against San Francisco, not taking the simple play, not giving what the defense you know, or taking what the defense gets you and trying to be a little bit more spectacular or, or you know, have these you know giant plays. And for Kansas City, I think that if I'm a fan of the Chiefs, that would concern me a little bit, knowing that there are a lot of complete teams just in my own conference that I'd have to get out of. And Buffalo and uh, Cincinnati certainly can play with, play for play with the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of personnel and their coaching. Would there be a concern there? I know that we can talk about how Patrick Mahomes can win anywhere and they're really dangerous no matter who they play, but is there some concern that if there's something that Cincinnati's figured out that maybe that gets copied by some other teams in the AFC? I think uh, you look at Cincinnati, I think the bottom line is they're just a team built to outscore teams. And 
What I do like about the Chiefs or th- that is they're a bit resilient and they can run the ball, but I think the Bengals right now have the more explosive firepower around Joe Burrow. When Jamar Chase is back, that's an extremely hard team to defend. I know they won't have Aiden Hurst maybe for a little while, but they're still difficult with T. Higgins and Chase and uh, Tyler Boyd, and they can run the ball with either Joe Mixon or Samaji P. right now. Their offensive line is playing well. I think they're just a more complete team. And then you look defensively, I think they have a few more playmakers than the Chiefs as well. So they might simply be a better team than the Chiefs at this point. This is where some of those losses, the Tyron Matthews, the Tyreek Hill, those type of uh, personnel things that uh, the Chiefs have gone through, that's the type of game where they can catch up to them. And that I think it's caught up to the Bills game. So Patrick Mahomes is great, and with him, you have a high floor, and you can never be ruled out to win in the playoffs, but right now, I would say it's pretty even between the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals. It just really comes down. We know how all those games go, right? They're all down to the wire in the final few seconds. Two comes up with the play. Mahomes came up with the play against Allen, and then the Burrow came up with the play with Mahomes, so it's going to be fun to watch those three teams, but unlike the NFC, which I just mentioned is wide open, I don't see any other team breaking that party up between those three teams this year all right Vinny. last thing for me i'll let emory finish up with you to san francisco the injury to jimmy g he is out for the year with a broken foot and it becomes brock purdy's team at least right now now of course here in the state of iowa we have our own thoughts about brock purdy but your outsider perspective how much can they win what do you expect from him and well if you want a coach that can maybe help out a young quarterback not many better than kyle shanahan yeah, we looked at this pick when the 49ers made it, 262 overall, Mr. Elvin said, why are they taking another quarterback? Well, look what happened here. I mean, it might actually be the thing that saves them. I mean, two ridiculous moves by John Lynch. Well, number one was finding a way to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. That has helped them with Trey Lance going down. And then using this last draft pick, that tells me that every draft pick is relevant, right? Every draft pick has some value. Here and you can't throw it away. You have to always be trying to improve your team. And that's what's very impressive about the 49ers. And I think Purdy, again, he doesn't have to do a lot. This is the most favorable team for a quarterback to be successful. And I think they pinpointed someone, right? They had C.J. Beathard, the Iowa guy in there. They had Nick Mullins in there. But I think they wanted to handpick somebody that would fit their system a little bit better and could develop and play off what they're doing. And I think they felt that Purdy was worth that pick in the seventh round. So when I look at it, I don't see the 49ers having too much trouble winning the division still. I still think they're hands-down better team than Seattle. They've already beaten Seattle here. I think they'll beat the Bucks this week. I just like the way their defense is playing. So, again, the 49ers are going to win the division. The bigger question is when you get those times, when it's Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott and even Kirk Cousins and some of these other quarterbacks, is he going to be the guy that you're going to rely on to win those games? So that's going to be a big question mark. And we'll see about uh, Baker Mayfield if he's in the mix at all or in the purview of the 49ers, uh, depending on how it goes with waivers today. Uh, yeah, okay. So all of that is insanely good information because now all of a sudden Iowa State fans are certainly in the sentimental 
you know, San Francisco is kind of our team. We've kind of adopted them sort of thing. I think on the AFC side, I want to go back there because I just love how competitive the AFC is from top to bottom. I, there are some teams there like Baltimore that, you know, the, the loss of Lamar Jackson means so much more than the loss of Jimmy Garoppolo for San Francisco, like you mentioned. But the one team in the NFC that is just, like, they kind of are my adopted sentimental favorite is with Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. I know they got a tie against the Giants here, but that team was dead. I mean, people were writing them off. They thought the Carson Wentz trade was stupid. Carson Wentz had not worked out in Philadelphia and in Indianapolis. Why did you take him on? And now you got a guy like Heineke re-getting this job. They are competitive. They're winning games. They're going on the road. They beat Philadelphia. Is there something to a guy like Heineke or even like a Purdy who is just kind of inspiring to the rest of that team for their team that you think could make a bigger difference in the playoffs than just having the best team? Which team would be most well-equipped for that? Well, I think to me, I look at the Commanders, the Giants, really this whole division. I think there, there were a lot of breaks here, right, with where the schedules played out. We didn't think the NFC North was going to be as bad as it was here. And that's, that's kind of played out. Then the AFC South, we know, is a weak division. So this has been the NFC is taking full advantage of that, and that's been great. The Commanders, I think what my concern is that they're kind of all over the place. And Heineke just will throw it up, and it's kind of uh, just really dependent on their running game. Their defense, I think, improving has been the biggest factor in why the Commanders are in playoff position right behind the Seahawks right now. But uh, – I don't know, like, at, at some point, they're going to need something for the quarterbacks. And, again, no Aaron Rodgers, not in the playoffs, or Jared Goff not in the playoffs, but it, it would be actually be more interesting if you had those quarterbacks in the mix because I think it's extremely hard to win with this type of quarterback. We saw it just a few years ago playing the Buccaneers. He was a good feel-good story there, but couldn't get the job done. So I don't know what it means if the commanders limp into the playoffs right now I think the tie was a good thing versus Detroit, but I don't know if it's a good thing versus Seattle in trying to figure out that the commanders can get in the playoffs. So interesting that uh, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, uh, Taylor Heineke, we're going to see two of those quarterbacks in the playoffs. Vinny, it is over in the World Cup. Morocco has upset Spain. How crazy is that? And their goalkeeper, he was incredible. He was jucking and juvenile. I know. I've never seen a good. He's like yeah. running back and forth on the line. That's awesome. Three nothing in penalty kicks as Morocco advances to the quarterfinals. Vinny, enjoy the rest of the World Cup and the NFL. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Follow him on Twitter at Vinny Iyer as where you can find him. A three time Jeopardy champion, the smartest guy that appears on these airwaves. Sorry, Except for you. Good God. I've told you I tried to oh, yeah, get on Jeopardy before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Didn't go well. Oh. So you take a 50-question quiz. Okay. Online, time. You have like 10 seconds to type it in. Okay. There's no Googling right. involved. And I thought going into it, the first time I did it was, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 years ago, something like that. I figured, all right, if I get some Shakespeare questions, I'm screwed. Right. And there's some classical music, no chance. Right. You got to uh, get lucky with the categories. Right, right. There, there's going to be a few of those, but I thought... You know, I watch Jeopardy every day. I usually do a pretty good job. I figure I get maybe 15, 20 questions right. Of the 50? Of the 50. Right. Not even close. I maybe got six or seven. Really? Yeah. It's it, that hard? 
What, that day it was. I've done it again. It felt a little better, but it was never more than probably. So how do you do this? Do you just like. You can apply, apply online, yeah. And they just send you a quiz? Yes. And there's open enrollment times that you do it. And it doesn't, you don't have to pay money for that? Nope, nothing like it's that. not like the ACT? No, <laughs> nothing like that. And then afterwards, if you answer enough questions, there's a regional place that you go to. You have an opportunity. They interview you. Dang. Make sure you're not a weirdo. Which is funny because there's a lot of weirdos on Jeopardy. Uh, you yeah. think, man, if they made the cut. Oh, yeah, obviously. Think about the people that didn't make the cut. Are not TV worthy. <laughs> and you have that part of it, too. Whew. Man, think you, of that. You would be the coolest guy on Jeopardy. Well, it's not a real high bar. <laughs> <laughs> Vidyire, he had that. Three-time Jeopardy champion. we got to take a timeout. We'll come back on the other side. Put a cap on our number one. Still to come, Chris Cuellar from the Iowa High School Athletic Association. will break things down with him. The new possibility of some changes in the way the structure works for high school football. And Matt Norlander, as he gets ready to make his way to Madison Square Garden for tonight's Duke-Iowa matchup. That's all coming up here as we roll through. It's Miller and Condon. And six. Coming up to the top of the hour, Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. Played a little rush for you earlier. Did you hear that coming out of the last one? Uh, Yeah, Tom Sawyer. Yes. I know you love your Canadian rock bands. Oh. Them, Nickelback. No? Rush. Rush is great, yes. yeah. <laughs> I like Canadian professional wrestlers. You know. Canadian professional. Was Chris Jericho, is he Canadian? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Owen Hart. Yes. Uh, Jim Neidhart. Um, he was Canadian. Uh, he was in the Hart Foundation. Oh, okay. <laughs> the British Bulldog. No, no he's, that, he's that's Britain. Yeah, Davy Boy yeah. Smith, right? Yeah. You're yeah, talking yeah. my era of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the good stuff right there. The Mountie. The Mountie. Was he really Canadian, do you think? That's a good question. I'm probably That not. would be so sad if he's not. Well, we had our fill of wrestling talk yesterday with Cody Goodwin. This is a different kind of wrestling. Every Cody time I, br- I always bring him up. I, I always bring it up. He is, by the way. The Mountie was Canadian. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the, the, the I always bring that up with him. I always ask him, so what do you think about The Undertaker? Right. He, doesn't, he doesn't take too kindly no, to, no, to that, no. It's a different kind of wrestling. Well, we got a different conversation coming up here to kick off the second I'm excited hour. about this one. Chris Cuellar going to join us. A socioeconomic factor being put in for the way that they put together enrollment for football. How big are these changes? How important are they? And is it going to perhaps even out some of the discrepancies that we see in high school football? That's coming up next to kick off the second hour. Matt Norlander as well. We take you till one. Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO.